Chapter Eight, Part Two of Hilda Wade. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Hilda Wade, A Woman with Tenacity of Purpose by Grant Allen. Chapter Eight, Part Two we stole on farther going more furtively than ever now i could notice by this time that there were wagons in front and could hear men speaking in them i wanted to proceed but colebrook held up one warning hand won't do he said shortly in a low tone only myself danger ahead stop here and wait for me doolittle and myself waited colebrook kept on cautiously squirming his long body in sinuous waves like a lizard's through the grass and was soon lost to us no snake could have been lither we waited with ears intent one minute two minutes many minutes passed we could catch the voices of the kaffirs in the bush all round they were speaking freely but what they said i did not know as i had picked up only a very few words of the matabele language it seemed hours while we waited still as mice in our ambush and alert i began to think colebrook must have been lost or killed so long was he gone and that we must return without him at last we leaned forward a muffled movement in the grass ahead a slight wave at the base then it divided below bit by bit while the tops remained stationary a weasel-like body slank noiselessly through finger on lips once more colebrook glided beside us we turned and crawled back stifling our very pulses for many minutes none of us spoke but we heard in our rear a loud cry and the shaking of assegais the kaffirs behind us were yelling frightfully they must have suspected something seen some movement in the tufted heads of grass for they spread abroad shouting we halted holding our breath after a time however the noise died down they were moving another way we crept on again stealthily when at last after many minutes we found ourselves beyond the sheltering belt of brushwood we ventured to rise and speak well i asked of colebrook did you discover anything he nodded assent couldn't say him he said shortly but he's there right enough white man heard him talk of him what did they say i asked eagerly said he had a white skin but his heart was a kaffir's great induna leader of many impis prophet wise weather doctor friend of old moselekatses destroy the white men from over the big water restore the land to the matabela kill all in sorcery especially the white women witches all witches they give charms to the men cook lions hearts for them make them brave with love drinks they said that i exclaimed taken aback kill all the white women yes kill all white witches every one the young ones worst word of the great induna and you could not see him crept near wagons close fellow himself inside heard his voice spoke english with a little matabele 
Kaffir boy who was servant at the mission interpreted. What sort of voice like this? And I imitated Sebastian's cold, clear-cut tone as well as I was able. The man, that's him, doctor. You've got him down to the ground. The very voice. Heard him giving orders. That settled the question. I was certain of it now. Sebastian was with the insurgents. We made our way back to our lager, flung ourselves down and slept a little on the ground before taking our turn in the fatigues of the night watch. Our horses were loosely tied, ready for any sudden alarm. About midnight we three were sitting with others about the fire, talking low to one another. All at once Doolittle sprang up, alert and eager. "'Look out, boys!' he cried, pointing his hands under the wagons. "'What's wriggling in the grass there?' I looked and saw nothing. Our sentries were posted outside, about a hundred yards apart, walking up and down till they met and exchanging. "'All's well,' allowed at each meeting. "'They should have been stationary,' one of our scouts exclaimed, looking out at them. "'It's easier for the Matabele to see them so.' when they walk up and down moving against the sky. The Major ought to have posted them where it wouldn't have been so simple for a Kaffir to see them and creep in between them. "'Too late now, boys,' Colebrook burst out, with a rare effort of articulateness. "'Call back the sentries, Major. The blacks have broken line. Hold there. They're in upon us.' Even as he spoke, I followed his eager pointing hand with my eyes and just descried among the grass two gleaming objects seen under the hollow of one of the wagons two then two then two again and behind whole pairs of them they looked like twin stars but they were eyes black eyes reflecting the starlight and the red glare of the campfire they crept on tortuously in serpentine curves through the long dry grasses i could feel rather than see that they were matabele crawling prone on their bellies and trailing their snake-like way between the dark jungle quick as thought i raised my rifle and blazed away at the foremost so did several others but the major shouted angrily who fired don't shoot boys till you hear the word of command back sentries to lager not a shot till they're safe inside you'll hit your own people Almost before he said it, the sentry started back. The Matabele, crouching on hands and knees in the long grass, had passed between them unseen. A wild moment followed. I can hardly describe it. The whole thing was so new to me, and took place so quickly. Hordes of black human ants seemed to surge up all at once, over and under the wagons, as a guise whisked through the air or gleam brandished around one. Our men fell back to the centre of the lager and formed themselves hastily under the major's orders. Then a pause, a deadly fire. Once, twice, thrice we volleyed. The Matabele fell by dozens, but they came on by hundreds. As fast as we fired and moved down one swarm, fresh swarms seemed to spring from the earth and stream over the wagons. Others appeared to grow up almost beneath our feet as they wormed their way on their faces along the ground between the wheels, squirmed into the circle, and then rose suddenly erect and naked in front of us. Meanwhile they yelled and shouted, clashing their spears and shields. The oxen bellowed, the rifles volleyed. It was a pandemonium of sound in an orgy of gloom, 
darkness lurid flame blood wounds death horror yet in the midst of all this hubbub i could not help admiring the cool military calm and self-control of our major his voice rose clear above the confused tumult steady boys steady don't fire at random pick each your likeliest man and aim at him deliberately that's right easy easy shoot at leisure and don't waste ammunition he stood as if he were on parade in the midst of this palpitating turmoil of savages some of us encouraged by his example mounted the wagons and shot from the tops at our approaching assailants how long the hurly-burly went on i cannot say we fired 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 and kaffirs fell like sheep yet more kaffirs rose fresh from the long grass to replace them they swarmed with greater ease now over the covered wagons across the mangled and breathing bodies of their fellows for the dead outside made an inclined plane for the living to mount by but the enemy were getting less numerous i thought and less anxious to fight the steady fire told on them by and by with a little halt for the first time they wavered all our men now mounted the wagons and began to fire on them in regular volleys as they came up the evil effects of the surprise were gone by this time we were acting with coolness and obeying orders but several of our people dropped close beside me pierced through with assegais all at once as if a panic had burst over them the matabele with one mind stopped dead short in their advance and ceased fighting till that moment no number of deaths seemed to make any difference to them men fell disabled others sprang up from the ground by magic but now of a sudden their courage flagged they faltered gave way broke and shambled in a body at last as one man they turned and fled many of them leapt up with a loud cry from the long grass where they were skulking flung away their big shields with their white thongs interlaced and ran for dear life black crouching figures through the dense dry jungle they held their assegais still but did not dare to use them it was a flight pell-mell and the devil take the hindmost not until then had i leisure to think and to realize my position this was the first and only time i had ever seen a battle i am a bit of a coward i believe like most other men though i have courage enough to confess it and i expected to find myself terribly afraid when it came to fighting instead of that to my immense surprise once the matabele had swarmed over the lager and were upon us in their thousands i had no time to be frightened the absolute necessity for keeping cool for loading and reloading for aiming and firing for beating them off at close quarters all this so occupied one's mind and still more one's hands that one couldn't find room for any personal terrors they are breaking over there they will overpower us yonder they are faltering now those thoughts were so uppermost in one's head and one's arms were so alert that only after the enemy gave way and began to run at full pelt could a man find breathing space to think of his own safety then the thought occurred to me i have been through my first fight and come out of it alive after all i was a deal less afraid than i expected that took but a second however 
next instant awaking to the altered circumstances we were after them at full speed accompanying them on their way back to their kraals in the uplands with a running fire as a farewell attention as we broke lager in pursuit of them by the uncertain starlight we saw a sight which made us boil with indignation a mounted man turned and fled before them he seemed their leader unseen till then he was dressed like a european tall thin unbending in a grayish-white suit he rode a good horse and sat it well his air was commanding even as he turned and fled in the general route from that lost battle i seized colbrock's arm almost speechless with anger the white man i cried the traitor he did not answer a word but with a set face of white rage loosed his horse from where it was tethered among the wagons at the same moment i loosed mine so did doolittle quick as thought but silently we led them out all three where the lager was broken i clutched my mare's mane and sprang to the stirrup to pursue our enemy my sorrel bounded off like a bird the fugitive had a good two minutes start of us but our horses were fresh while his had probably been ridden all day i patted my pony's neck she responded with a ringing neigh of joy we tore after the outlaw all three of us abreast i felt a sort of fierce delight in the reaction after the fighting our ponies galloped wildly over the plain we burst out into the night never heeding the matabele whom we passed on the open in panic-stricken retreat i noticed that many of them in their terror had even flung away their shields and their assegais it was a mad chase across the dark veldt we three neck to neck against that one desperate runaway we rode all we knew i dug my heels into my sorrel's flanks and she responded bravely the tables were turned now on our traitor since the afternoon of the massacre he was the pursued and we were the pursuers we felt we must run him down and punish him for his treachery at a breakneck pace we stumbled over low bushes we grazed big boulders we rolled down the sides of steep ravines but we kept him in sight all the time dim and black against the starry sky slowly slowly yes yes we gained upon him my pony led now the mysterious white man rode and rode head bent neck forward but never looked behind him bit by bit we lessened the distance between us as we drew near him at last doolittle called out to me in a warning voice take care doctor have your revolvers ready he's driven to bay now as we approach he'll fire at us then it came home to me in a flash i felt the truth of it he dare not fire i cried he dare not turn towards us he cannot show his face if he did we might recognize him on we rode still gaining now now i cried we shall catch him even as i leaned forward to seize his rein the fugitive without checking his horse without turning his head drew his revolver from his belt and raising his hand fired behind him at random he fired towards us on the chance the bullet whizzed past my ear not hitting anyone we scattered right and left still galloping free and strong we did not return his fire as i had told the others of my desire to take him alive we might have shot his horse but the risk of hitting the rider 
coupled with the confidence we felt of eventually hunting him to earth restrained us it was the great mistake we made he had gained a little by his shots but we soon caught it up once more i said we are on him a minute later we were pulled up short before an impenetrable thicket of prickly shrubs through which i saw at once it would have been quite impossible to urge our staggering horses the other man of course reached it before us with his mare's last breath he must have been making for it indeed of set purpose for the second he arrived at the edge of the thicket he slipped off his tired pony and seemed to dive into the bush as a swimmer dives off a rock into the water we have him now i cried in a voice of triumph and colebrook echoed we have him we sprang down quickly take him alive if you can i exclaimed remembering hilda's advice let us find out who he is and have him properly tried and hanged at bulawayo don't give him a soldier's death all he deserves is a murderer's you stop here colebrook said briefly flinging his bridle to do little to hold doctor and i follow him thick bush knows the way of it revolvers ready i handed my sorrel to doolittle he stopped behind holding the three foam bespattered and panting horses while colebrook and i dived after our fugitive into the matted bushes the thicket as i have said was impenetrable above but it was burrowed at its base by overground runs of some wild animal not i think a very large one they were just like the runs which rabbits make among gorse and heather only on a bigger scale bigger even than a fox's or a badger's by crouching and bending our backs we could crawl through them with difficulty into the scrubby tangle it was hard work creeping the runs divided soon coolbrook felt with his hands on the ground i can make out the spoor he muttered after a minute he's gone on this way we tracked him a little distance in crawling at times and rising now and again where the runs opened out on to the air for a moment the spoor was doubtful and the tunnels tortuous i felt the ground from time to time but could not be sure of the tracks with my fingers i was not a trained scout like colebrook or doolittle we wriggled deeper into the tangle something stirred once or twice it was not far from me i was uncertain whether it was him sebastian or a kaffir earth hog the animal which seemed likeliest to have made the burrows was he going to elude us even now would he turn upon us with a knife if so could we hold him at last when we had pushed our way some distance in we heard a wild cry from outside it was doolittle's voice quick quick out again the man will escape he has come back on his tracks and rounded i saw our mistake at once we had left our companion out there alone rendered helpless by the care of all three horses colebrook said never a word he was a man of action he turned with instinctive haste and followed our spoor back again with his hands and knees to the opening in the thicket by which we had first entered before we could reach it however two shots rang out clear in the direction where we had left poor doolittle and the horses then a sharp cry broke the stillness the cry of a wounded man we redoubled our pace we knew we were outwitted when we reached the open we saw at once by the uncertain light what had happened the fugitive was riding away on my own little sorrel 
riding for dear life not back the way we came from salisbury but sideways across the belt towards shimoyo and the portuguese seaports the other two horses riderless and terrified were scampering with loose heels over the dark plain doolittle was not to be seen he lay a black lump among the black bushes about him we looked around for him and found him he was severely i may even say dangerously wounded the bullet had lodged in his right side we had to catch our two horses and ride them back with our wounded man leading the fugitive's mare in tow all blown and breathless i stuck to the fugitive's mare it was the one clue we had now against him but sebastian if it was sebastian had ridden off scot-free i understood his game at a glance he had got the better of us once more he would make for the coast by the nearest road give himself out as a settler escaped from the massacre and catch the next ship for england or the cape now this coup had failed him doolittle had not seen the traitor's face the man rose from the bush he said shot him seized the pony and rode off in a second with ruthless haste he was tall and thin but erect that was all the wounded scout could tell us about his assailant and that was not enough to identify sebastian all danger was over we rode back to salisbury the first words hilda said when she saw me were well he has got away from you yes how did you know i read it in your step but i guessed as much before he is so very keen and you started too confident End of chapter 8, part 2 Read by Lars Rolander